What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there. Appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. If you haven't done so already, you can give me a follow on Instagram at English Encore Podcast. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. I have some cool graphics on there as well as my previous Instagram live sessions, which you can find in the IGTV section. Um, some really cool interviews, including my last one with Laney College head coach John Beam from the Last Chance U on Netflix. So if you want to go check that out, I'd greatly appreciate it. Today I'm be going over the Bills Raiders game as the Bills move to four and zero, going through the Sabers trade rumor mill as we are approaching the NHL draft, which is tomorrow. I'll be going into some UB football as well as some Blue Jays baseball, kind of to cap off the episode for today. But starting off with the Bills and the Raiders, that's right, everyone. The Buffalo Bills are four and zero for the first time since 2008. They defeated the Las Vegas Raiders 30-23 in a very good game. Um, Josh Allen gave everyone in Buffalo and across the world, that's Bills fans, a scare um, midway through the second quarter as he landed awkwardly on his shoulder. Luckily for the Bills fans, he was able to return the game and continue his MVP campaign. And it was also his non-throwing shoulder, which was big news for that Front of the story. Um, just another offensive clinic day for the Bills. Um, Josh Allen, 24 of 34, 288 yards, just missing out on that 300, but had two passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, along with one rushing touchdown. He should have had three passing touchdowns. There's absolutely no way that the absolute laser he threw at John Brown was not a touchdown. That ball was clearly across the goal line. Um, don't know how that call was not overturned even after reviewing it um Stefan Diggs that trade continues to make Brandon Bean look like an absolute genius he just adds a full different dimension to this offense you can see on many routes that guys like Cole Beasley Gabe Davis um Dawson Knox are able to get open because of the amount of attention that Stefan Diggs draws he finished the game with six receptions for 115 yards including a very crucial catch late in the game on a deep ball from Josh Allen, where Allen gave him a very good chance to go up and make a play, and he did absolutely that, mossing a defender and coming up with it and letting him know about it. Um, Devin Singletary, very solid day on the ground and in the passing game. You know, five receptions with an additional about 50 yards and a touchdown on the ground, so a very productive day for him. The offensive line continues to be great. They only allowed one sack yesterday on a play that really was Josh's fault, which I'll touch on in a little bit here. Um, the defense came alive in the second half after having a subpar first where Derek Carr seemed to be able to throw the ball wherever he wanted on the field. The defense did force two fumbles in the second half. Josh Norman might have been the X factor that this Bills defense has been missing. He came in after the injury to Levi Wallace and played spectacular. Um, came up with a big fumble for the Bills and recovery. Um, just played solid all around, made some big tackles on the outside. The defense as a whole held Josh Jacobs to 48 rushing yards. Very solid job by the front four um, in the linebacking core yesterday. Um, Brian Dable's play calling has been spectacular. 
Um, I think he has not been getting enough credit so far in this Bills 4-0 start. He's been drawing up the plays when they need to, especially late in the games, um, to really give the Bills offense momentum, keep the defense on the sideline, give them some more rest to close out the game. And Ken Dorsey deserves a lot of credit, too, for Allen's development. Some of the throws Josh was making yesterday, especially the ones that Beasley, John, Brown, and Diggs um, on the deep ball, that's not something that's taught overnight. That You can definitely see there's a clear development process with Allen's game. He's taking the league by storm. He's putting himself in the MVP conversation. And Dable and Ken Dorsey deserve a ton of credit for that development. Part of it is Dable's play calling, allowing Josh to put himself in positions he's comfortable in. And then Dorsey, as far as working with him on his accuracy, pocket presence, um, being a little bit more accurate with the ball, being smarter with the football. You've seen the past few weeks, Josh hasn't run the ball nearly as much. In fact, yesterday tells a big story in the fact that he had negative one rushing yards. He did have that one touchdown from about one yard out, and they still won the game fairly easily. It's nice to see that the Bills offense is able to put up points on the board through the air with a combination of a little bit of singletary on the ground. Um, you know, you look at the past few years with Josh, he was very much reliant on just relying on the breakdown plays, getting out of the pocket, making plays with his legs, um, and extending drives that way. He has not had to do that, especially the last two weeks against two very solid defenses. Um, my biggest concerns coming away from the game is I think the Bills definitely have a need that they need to find at that third linebacker spot. I don't know if Tyrell Dotson just can't play the outside linebacker spot or if they just don't want to rotate him in. Because yesterday, A.J. Klein was awful. He was the sole reason why Jason Witten caught that second touchdown um, by Derek Carr. He was kind of in no man's land, didn't know where he was. Uh, he was bad in pass coverage, missed a few big tackles. Um, the pass defense and the pass rush in the first half was just not there. Um, the second half, the defense did a very good job of getting to Derek Carr, um, forcing him to fumble the ball a few times, getting in his face. Um, the pass defense in the first half was definitely not great. Like I said before, Carr could kind of pick and choose where he wanted to throw throughout the second half. They kind of um, stepped it up a bit more. I still want to see the Bills get away from this prevent defense. I'm going to keep preaching it over and over again on this podcast that it seems like every single time that the Bills get up in a game, we get conservative. We get you know, lackadaisical. We get back on our heels. We kind of let teams drive down the field and you're trying to force them to do a field goal or just stop them. And it's all well and good because, you know, the Bills were able to force some turnovers, and they were able to get a few stops before they got that last touchdown, before there was really any time left. We got the onside kick, and we were able to kind of just run the ball and kneel it out. But um, against the Kansas Cities, the 49ers, Seattle's of the world, I don't know if that's going to work. But the Bills have a chance to stomp on a team's throat and really – Put the game away, it seems like we haven't been able to do that at all through the first four games. Granted, the Bills are 4-0. There's a lot to be excited about. I think the Bills are a legitimate threat in the AFC. I think they're clearly the third best team behind Kansas City and Baltimore. And I do truly believe they can make a run to the AFC Championship this year. But there has to be a little more urgency when you have that 13-15 to 15 point lead. You have to want to go for 21-24 point go for the kill shot, take the other team out of the game. We saw it a little bit yesterday when we took that shot to Stephon Diggs and capitalized. 
but then we let them come down the field and score again. We have to full put together a full 60 minutes. I'm not sure the Bills have fully done that yet. Um, I think they're trending in the right direction. If the offense continues to play this way, I think the defense is eventually going to get back to its form of being a top five defense. I think Josh Norman is a huge part of that. I was preaching before the season started that I think Josh Norman could be a true X factor, and he proved that yesterday with the amount of plays he was making opposite of Tredavious White. Um, I think Tremaine Edmonds is slowly starting to get back to full health. Um, Matt Milano has been playing outstanding all year. The defensive line starting to come together. Um, I think Harrison Phillips, as the season progresses, is going to get better. You know, he's coming off that injury. It's going to take him some time to get fully back into game form. Um, I'm hoping that A.J. Spence is going to get some more reps as well, and he can maybe be a threat later in the season, kind of like we saw Ed Oliver last year as the season progressed. Um, he was able to do a better job um, in making a bigger impact for the Bills. Um, you know, play calling was a little bit of a concern from Dable's perspective later in the game, especially after the turnovers. One of them was not on Dable. One of them was completely on Josh Allen taking a bad sack when you had a chance to put three on the board. Um, that's something you can't do. It forced the Bills to punt, um, and then they were able to go drive down the field. The other time, they just ran the ball three straight times. In, in that position, if you trust your quarterback and the way Josh has been playing, and he's been so locked in, I think you just have to go for the first downs there. You don't just run the ball, kill the clock. You go for the first downs, you go drive down the field, you score. Um, and I think that's something we're going to have to see how that progresses throughout the regular season. And obviously, the other concern, a few injuries. Uh, Levi Wallace hurt his ankle. They don't think it's going to be serious. Same thing with Cole Beasley. Um, it was kind of a foot injury. He believes he sprained his foot, but he battled through and played through the game. He doesn't seem like he's going to miss any time. If anything, it might be a one-week thing. It's good to see that John Brown made it through the full game. After last week, there's a little bit of an injury concern there. Other than that, I think the Bills played a very solid game. Like I said, the offense was very good. Defense really stepped it up in the second half, and there's a lot to build on. Um, we don't know if the Bills are going to be playing Titans this week. This was the first week that the Titans didn't have um, a positive COVID test in a matter of days, and it's Monday. Um, so hopefully they don't have any more, and we'll be able to get that game in. If not, more than likely it's going to be postponed because next week is going to be the Bills Big test as they're going to be taking on the Super Bowl champions in the Kansas City Chiefs. Not that we need to overlook the Titans or anything, but I think that's the matchup everyone's been wanting to see. Um, and if the defense doesn't play like it did in the second half against the Chiefs, we could be in for some trouble. But it's going to be really nice to see what the offense can do against these couple good defenses coming up, especially the Titans and Chiefs. Um, moving on to the next topic with the Buffalo Sabres. As I mentioned before, the NHL draft is tomorrow. So there's a lot of speculation about what Buffalo is going to do with that pick. Um, you know, they're sitting at eighth once again. It's a matter of, I think, can you move that pick and get the top six forward or centerman that you need or an elite defenseman to pair with Rasmus Dahlin? Are you going to move Ristolainen? Are you going to move Montour? These are all questions, I think, that are going to be answered this week or potentially even tomorrow on draft day. Um, I wouldn't mind the Sabres trading a pick. I think it also really depends on how the draft board is falling. If a guy like Marco Rossi falls to you all the way at that eight spot, I think you have to take him. And as much of a need as center is for this team, you know, you did draft Dylan Cousins last year, and you're hoping he's going to be your future second-line center behind Jack Eichel. Um, I still think your defensive core needs some work. Obviously, goaltending is a little bit of a concern, but you do have Uka Pekalukinen, um in Rochester now. 
Um, so I don't think they're going to be even potentially looking at a goaltender. I think I'd be very surprised if it's not a D or a centerman. Um, like I said, I'd like to see them move it. According to Elliot Freeman today on his 31 Thoughts um, podcast and article, it linked Buffalo and the Coyotes to some talks. Um, one of the players that was mentioned was Nick Schmaltz, who is currently under contract for six more years at $5.85 million. So a pretty decent contract hit. Whether or not they can move a guy like Rista Line in there um, in a swap, I don't know if that'd be great for Buffalo. Um, I think Schmoltz is a decent player. He's coming off a season in which he had 11 goals, 34 assists um, for 45 points. It was plus three in 2019-20 season. Um, he did have a 50-plus point season a few years back when he was with Chicago before he was moved um, to Arizona. Um, the big reason I think you could potentially move Rista Linen to Arizona in exchange for maybe Schmoltz or another player is that Oliver Ekman Larson is more than likely played his last game as a Coyote, according to Elliot Freeman. Um, the Bruins and Canucks have been in talks with them about that. Then we have the Jack Eichel juggernaut as far as trade concerns goes. Um, Bob McKenzie last week reported that he had been hearing that there was some rumors about Jack Eichel. Um, you know, Kevin Adams did address it, that teams have been calling about Jack. There's no um, urgency right now to even think about moving Jack Eichel. Jack's agent confirmed he does not want to be traded. He's not asked for a trade. He's just a little bit fed up, and he wants to win so badly. I mean, I think Adams knows that. Um, obviously, if Jack was to get traded, there are a lot of things that the Sabres would need in return. There was a rumor floating around yesterday that the Sabres did Throw around the idea with the Rangers, but it would have to include um, the number one overall pick this year. And even that, I don't know if that's enough because Jack Eichel is a transcendent generational talent. Um, I don't think Eichel's going to be going anywhere soon, but if they don't get anything done this season or the beginning of next year, he is definitely going to want out. Um, because of his contract, it would be a very messy situation in my opinion. I think that it would turn ugly to the point where fans would probably not like him because he pretty much would have to force his way out because of his contract. But um, at the end of the day, Jack just wants to win. Like I said, I don't think there's really anything imminent on trading him. I think it's more of Kevin Adams doing his due diligence of listening for offers um, as a GM. But at the same time, unless you're getting two to three first-round picks, two elite prospects, and two amazing players back, um, I'm not even listening to an offer, to be quite frank with you. Um, it'll be interesting to see in the next day or two, especially tomorrow at the draft, if the Sabres make any moves. He already made one very good move in acquiring Eric Stahl to kind of fill that number two center void. Um, the big concern for me is because of age and everything, and if he's going to be able to produce at a level the Sabres need him to, I don't think Eric Stahl is just a plug-in and fix the whole entire team. The Sabres definitely still have to make another three or four moves, in my opinion, especially addressing the bottom six forwards getting another defenseman and another goaltender in here. Um, it looks like Tory Krug might not be re-signing with Boston. I don't know if that's a move the Sabres would be willing to make or if they could find the financials to work that out. I think that'd be a great player for them to go out and get. Um, Alec Martinez is another guy um, to look at, but we'll see in the next few days what Kevin Adams is going to do. Um, but definitely keep an eye on tomorrow for the Sabres potentially making some moves at the draft. Um, moving on to UB football, UB started their practices for their shortened season today. Um, this comes after last Tuesday, they had 25 positive tests across the athletic department. That wasn't all in football, but there was I believe nine players and or staff that tested positive across that front. 
Um, the MAC conference uh, agreed that they'll be starting their football season on November 4th. It's going to be a six-game um, conference-only schedule where the championships will be played on either December 18th or 19th. I think Buffalo has a really good chance um, to be good this year. They have one of the best running backs in the country um, in Patterson. Um, UB's quarterback situation is a little bit um, concerning. They had some injuries last year, so it's going to be interesting how those two quarterbacks battle it out. Um, I think COVID is obviously a concern. Um, the coach talked about how they need to have depth across their roster because there are going to possibly be chances where the second and third string guys are going to be playing a lot because of COVID. Um, so it's just interesting to see. You know, college football, I think, has been doing a good job so far. There hasn't really been um, a huge spike, to my knowledge, across all the other um, conferences. There have been some teams that have been shut down um, because of it, but for the most part, across the big conferences, we haven't seen anything yet. We saw SMU take precautionary measures with their fan section as they removed them from the game because they weren't following protocols, which I think is great. Um, I think the MAC is doing a good job. They're pretty much the last conference to really try to get back into it. Um, I think the players, especially at UB and across the MAC, made it evident that they wanted to play. Um, they were getting very frustrated that all these other conferences were starting up and the MAC was kind of just sitting there. But finally, they were able to get things done, even though it's only a six-game uh, schedule. I think it's great for the players from the perspective of um, if they want to get drafted or they're just trying to develop their game, maybe they need to transfer, maybe they only have one year of eligibility left, whatever it may be. Um, I think it's just good to get games in for those players, especially the seniors. Um, I think it's very big for them. And then finally, the last topic for today's podcast, as far as baseball goes, the Toronto Blue Jays did lose two games to zero in a best of three to the Tampa Bay Rays in the first round of the playoffs. Um, definitely a great season by the Blue Jays. Um, had a really good record at Salem Field in Buffalo for their temporary home for this year. Um, there's a lot of things to be excited about if you're a Blue Jays fan. I think they're going to be good for the next five, six years to come. I think they're going to definitely be a team that can compete for a World Series. Just looking at their roster, they have five stars under the age of 26 between Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Calvin Biggio, Bo Bichette, uh, Danny Jansen, Nate Pearson, and Lourdes Goriel Jr. Um, they definitely need some more pitching. Pearson, obviously, is their big pitching piece that they got in the Marcus Stroman trade. Um, their best pitcher, arguably, all year in Rui got absolutely lit up in game two against the Rays. Um, he's getting up there in age. Obviously, pitchers are one of those positions in the MLB where they can extend late into their career well after 30. Um, I just think that the Blue Jays need to add another one or two arms to their starting rotation. They went for it at the deadline, and they just didn't get the pitching they needed out of guys like Robbie Ray or Sterling. Um, I think they need to go out and add another big arm to be a number one or two for them. And then I think they do need to add another relief or closing pitcher. But overall, I think as far as the field goes and their hitting, I think they're pretty much set. They might need to add another outfielder um, and maybe another positional player. Guerrero Jr. did a nice job at first base when he was there to end the season. Whether or not they're going to keep him there or put him back at third is kind of yet to be seen. But um, if you're a Blue Jays fan, there's definitely a ton to be excited about, like I said. Um, outside of the Yankees in the division, and I think the Rays are still going to be consistent. But um, I think the Blue Jays definitely have the most promise in the division as far as trending in the upward direction. 
Um, if they can get another few star players to come in and want to play with these young core group of guys, I think they're going to be a very scary team. Um, they kind of remind me a little bit of the Padres, except the Padres have a little bit more star power with guys like Machado and Tatis. If they can get another guy to pair along with the young core, um, especially with Vladdy and Bichette, I think those are the two centerpieces they're going to build around. Um, I think they could definitely be a World Series contender in the very short future. But that's going to do it for today's episode, everyone. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. I'll be back with another episode on Friday. I'll be talking about the NBA Finals as Miami has made it a series, as I said they would. Um, taking Game 3 on an absolutely dazzling performance from Jimmy Butler, a 40-point triple-double. Tyler Hero with a couple clutch baskets down the stretch. Um, Anthony Davis, not a very good shooting night for him. Um, hopefully, they'll still be playing later in the week when I come back Friday. By all means, the series could be over as Game 4 is tomorrow. Um, hopefully, Bam out of bio will be back. It looks like Goran Dragic will be out for the rest of the finals. Um, but I'll be back talking about that. Um, I'll be talking about the NHL draft, kind of a recap of that, any of the big trades that potentially might happen there. And then I'll be talking about some MLB baseball, and I'll throw some tennis in there as well. But I will talk to everyone again on Friday. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. I hope everyone's staying safe out there. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. Yeah.